This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 29, Flagship's Tier List. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. I'm playing with a plastic piece. Today we're dumb, stupid children <laughs> playing Welcome a dumb, to, stupid children's game. Welcome to Dumb, Stupid Plastic Pieces with <laughs> Matt and Hunter. We are doing a dumb thing today. We're doing a dumb episode, and we're going to roll. I want to go ahead and put this into the the teaser, the beginning of this episode, so you get all hot and bothered for it. Mm. We are going to roll actual dice in this episode. Wait, give me a clean take. Yep. Oh, Ooh. and I rolled a nine. It's an actual play podcast. Mm. Get ready. Move yeah. over, T.I. <laughs> Renegades. You're not the only actual play in town. What are we doing today, Hunter? Um, we are going to do a rundown. We're going to have a little bit of strategy and a whole lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> so the first part of the episode, we're going to do a rundown of a kind of very, very vague, very kind of ambiguous tier list of flagships. Um, not necessarily giving you like an in-order ranking, but we kind of looked at all the flagships and we're like, these these all go together and we can kind of rank them in this order. And then these all go together and these all go together. So it's not a strictly like A tier, B tier, C tier. Right. It's a, you know, it's sort of like how if you listen to, it's been, you know, ages ago, but when we did our theoretical tier list, we were very into like categorizing. Yes. Uh, all the tiers based on a very specific like kind of theme. And we've gone more into that and less into just a straight up value proposition. Right, right. And the reason we're doing this is we're this is another Galactic Council episode. Yes, they forced Um, us. They forced (laughs) us to do it. So uh, we did another straw poll with (laughs) We did another straw poll with our Galactic Council and this is the episode that they voted on. So if you want to be able to have input on these kinds of stupid episodes you just gotta gotta contribute to our Patreon. Uh, Five dollars gets you the option to get in on these discussions. This was the overwhelming majority of people wanted an episode on flagships. So let's. Uh, I feel like we could just really dive into this one. The the weird qualifier for this episode is we haven't finished talking about our first round strategies for about four races, uh, and so we haven't really been able to explore. The Yin, the L1Z1X, the Hakan, and the Ghosts flagships to their like not like fullest in, in potential, depth, no, right? No. But I feel like, especially with those four races, we have enough of a grasp of an idea of like what those flagships are capable of that I feel like I'm okay with doing this episode. Yeah, because yeah. really, it comes down to this episode is going to be very dumb. I think I think this is just going to be a fun little discussion, and then a whole lot of fun, dumb fun. <laughs> That's just dumb and fun. Really dumb and really fun. Yeah. Uh, so let's let's kick it off. Uh, we organize these based on a few different criteria, and I, I want to give you the list of categories first, just like we did with our last tier list. Ooh, but um, let's let's exclude one of the categories. Let's exclude one of them. Um, so the first category we'll talk about is the 
this is only worth the VP, which means these are flagships that we do not deem really usable, and the only reason you would get them is because you have the secret objective that is, I need a flagship. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, or anything that revolves around having a flagship. Uh, so that'll be the first thing we talk about. Then we've got what we just call, it's just a good ship. Just it's a, a good, fun, just it's a, a good, good ship. It's good not ship. like it's doing anything crazy, but like it's a solid ship and why not have it in your fleet? It's like a good dog. It's yeah. like a, you just got good a good dog. dog. That's a good dog. That's a good dog. I want to pet your flagship. <laughs> <laughs> that should be the title of the episode. Can I pet your flagship? Can I pet your flagship? <laughs> uh, we've also got our list of win more. We use that term a lot, but this mm-hmm. these are our flagships where it's like, hey, it's in the hands of maybe a good race or whatever, but the flagship itself is just kind of pushing you even further into what you do as that faction. Right. Uh, the next one is what we call essential to strategy, which is th- these are the these are the factions where we are going to kind of consider your flagship a crucial part of how you play that faction. Right, but it's not necessarily like fixing a broken no. race. It's more like making what you're good at better in a way that's like yeah you need that and it's distinct from win more because it's it is more useful than win more win more we typically consider it to be something where it's like you don't need it it's a third wheel it's a third wheel essential to strategy is like you should get it early because it's going to propel you through the rest of the game uh the The next one is probably the best i would say of and probably the most important of all the categories and we called it hole pluggers So all your hull plug and flagships. Yeah, flagships that like really propel, like they're very good flagships and they also propel a race forward in a way that's like really important. And like if they, it's more like, so essential to strategy is like, you get that because you can do so much with it and it's good and it's good in a way that you need it. Hull pluggers, it's like, oh no, you need that. Like you better get that. Otherwise you're in trouble. Right. Your weakness is X and your flagship does X. Yeah. That's a hole plugger. Yeah. Uh, the next one is our rainy day flagships. These are similar to like our situational tier in our faction yeah. tier list. Yeah. This is like a, you're not always going to need it. You won't build it every time, but when you need it, like that flagship will become your most important unit in the game. Right. And then there's one more tier, but that's a surprise. We'll tier. get to that. Uh, so let's, let's jump in. Uh, our first tier up is the, it's only worth the VP. So let's, last time we talked about our worst races last. So we want to talk about our worst flagships first so for us can i say before we get into it yeah uh, i anticipate we're going to get a lot of errata on this uh episode and that's fine we love it you know that's what we're looking for you know what i'm saying <laughs> but uh, i think just the nature of this episode is a little more loosey-goosey than normal yeah so, so get us you know what i'm saying like when you hear it and you and you want it out there like that's literally what we do for you right you now but i just want i just want to put a little bit of a just a little bit of give on it. At, well, at, and also, I feel like it's important to know we're coming from our perspective of these first round guides. The best example here is we're going to call Muat's flagship only worth the only VP. worth the VP. Now we had lots of errata where it was like, actually, you can make your entire strategy revolve around the flagship, and that will continue to be true if that's the kind of strategy you choose to play. We are coming from the perspective of that never worked for us, and so for us. We deem the Muwats flagship as only worth the VP. It's the best. It's the best only worth the VP flagship. I will yes, say that. Yes, we still find it useful. We're putting it up first. It hits, it hits two on a five. Right. Which we is we good. have classified. There's kind of like three different rankings 
with a little bit of wiggle room, but there's three different rankings of flagships hit values. You can roll two on a five, you can roll two on a seven, or you can roll two on a nine, right? The two on a fives are the best. It's like having two dreadnoughts. Two on a seven is what your average is. Most flagships roll two on a seven. And then there's a few where in most cases, the ability was so good, they nerfed the rolls of it because it would be ridiculous to have an amazing rolling ship. So the Muwat is one of those ones where it's like, hey, this is a solid ship. Two on a five is great. Uh, but everything else is standard, one move, three capacity, and the big selling point is supposed to be spend one token from your strategy pool to place one cruiser in this unit's system. And that's a useful ability, and it works, but it is, for us, especially in the hands of the Muat, it became one of these things where it's like, well, you just never, you're too busy trying to build your war suns and fixing all of your other holes, and this flagship doesn't fix your, you know, problems, right. and so it never, it never became something we could really justify getting it just costs too much like the value proposition of spend command counter for cruiser just never really clicked yes with basically all the games that i played as muat it just never like and i and i went after it i mean like i played with this flagship i played two games where i was trying to really utilize this flagship and i could just never get the economy of it to really make sense it's a nice it's a nice ship i think it was almost in the a good ship category yes we were pretty close to putting it in just like hey this is a good ship and if you put it in any other faction's hands it its abilities right. are still good. That's the problem is that it's a Muat ship. Right. And Muat, you have more that you need to be worried about, like building your second war sun. Right. Right? Right. Yeah. So uh, our next one up is actually, I think what all the people are asking for too in this in this whole discussion is, I feel like, Hunter, you need to be telling us the names of all of these flagships. Oh, now, Muat right. is easy. I'm going to get, we're starting so the Muat one is called the Onferiarno. So close. So and close. The so, next one we want to talk yeah, about. Yeah, the Winu's flagship. Go ahead and give me it's, that it's, one more it's time. It's the Winu. Yeah. And it the flagship is called the Sally Say Cory. Sally Say Cory. The Sally Say Cory. Which last... is actually a very good, that was actually the sequel to When Harry Met Sally. <laughs> Is Sally Say Cory, which is a different, a whole different group of people. I thought you were going to go Sally Say Coriander, and Sally is our, you know, is, is like America's I think next I did top Coriander chef. when we yeah, did the when episode. We did the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sally Say Coriander yeah. is the best ingredient. That's the real challenge here is for me to potatoes. not. <laughs> <laughs> That's the real challenge. Oh my God. So the, the real challenge of this episode is for me to not reuse the exact yeah, same right. goof that I used in all For of the, the episodes. So, sure. So the Winus is a only worth the VP. I feel like even in last week was our Winu faction guide, and I feel like I actually didn't talk down the Winu flagship enough. When we were organizing this, we kind of talked a lot about where we wanted this Winu flagship to fall. And the reason we ended up putting it in this category is every time we put it up against other ships in a similar category it was always dead last in its category yep yeah and so it just didn't feel right to put it anywhere but you know what it ends up just not being worth it the the ability of it is when this unit makes a combat roll it rolls a number of dice equal to the number of your opponent's non-fighter ships in this system and it hits on a seven so that's potentially a lot of dice on a seven yeah the seven was what makes it kind of unfortunate is like it's you know you might have a lot but that means they're bringing a lot which means that's a big fight already, and most people talked about this ship as its potential as a defensive ship, but then when you compare it to other defensive ships, I'm thinking Necro, I'm thinking Arborek, I'm thinking 
um, extra, extra. All of those are far better defensive ships than the advantages that this gives you. So it just wasn't going to fit into anything defensive for us. Like, yes, you can use it defensively, but it's not like it's putting you ahead of the game anywhere defensively. Yeah, and it's like another where I think in the hands of maybe another race, this might be a yes. more interesting flagship, yeah. but we in the hands of the Winu, the poor, right. you know, those losers, <laughs> the Luzu, I call them. The Luzu. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that that is really the big problem with it. We almost put this in the, it's just a good ship, because it's like, well, you might roll a bunch of dice on a seven. That seems fine. Mm -hmm. But compared to all the fives on twos that have other better abilities, it just never... Yeah, when it you stack met. it up against every... It's like, I I thought it was a little better than we ended up rating it in my head before we sat down. But once you like actually look at the table with all of the abilities that these flagships do, uh, it's no, not very great. Yeah, no. especially if, if they had given it better capacity or some other keywords, you know, give it some bombardment as well, make it just like a good all-around ship, maybe, but just rolling a bunch of sevens doesn't feel like it's ever going to really get you anywhere. Yeah. What, are you going to just throw it at like a big fleet just by your, are you just going to sacrifice it right. to get like, to thin a big herd? That's eight resources you spent. Yeah. And, like, it's, and, it, and the Necro ship does that, or not Necro, the Yin ship does that better, right? right so it's right. like, it, it is not the best in any category. Yeah. I'm good with it. Uh, next one we want to talk about, and this is the last one in this, technically, uh, I would say, I think we kind of feel this is the worst flagship. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, which is really interesting because of whose it is. Yeah, so it's the Hakan's flagship, and it is called the Wraith, the Ring Wraith, the Wraith King of Angmar, the Witch King of the Nazgul. I'm really glad you're doing this because we had Matt's Game of Thrones zone, and I was just waiting for us to do Hunter's Lord of the Rings thing. Yeah. <laughs> Hunter's Lord of the Ring. Welcome to Hunter's Lord of the Ring thing. I'm actually, uh, just to give you a little history about me, I'm actually a Tolkien scholar, like hardcore. Like I've read the, the, the Quintus Silmarillion, and I, you know, if you want to hit me up, let's talk, you know. Let's talk Silmar. Let's talk, let's talk of Middle Let's talk Wrath of Kanara. Yeah, all right, fine. Um, Wrath of Kanara, uh, the ability is that after you roll a die during a space combat in the system, you may spend one trade good to apply plus one to the result. Now, that's worded kind of specifically. That is literally, you roll one die. You spend one trade good. You apply plus one. The only way you would ever use this is to bring a die that missed by one up to a hit. Right. Right? That's the only... Unless you just want to throw trade goods away, that's the only sure. way you can really do it, right? <laughs> we all understand this, And right? then it also rolls... Two on a seven. Two on a seven. So it's it's a middle tier. It's a Basically, it's an average flagship. Two on a seven, capacity three, move on a one. It is doing nothing special. And then its ability, it's not fixing anything. Yeah. It's kind of only burning your trade goods, which as the Hakan, sure, you have lots of trade goods, but... You could use those trade goods to build more ships rather than trying to improve a die roll by one. I mean, I think realistically, uh, Hakan players, would, even if they had this for some reason, like, well, let's say they built it for the VP, like we're right. saying, um, you're not going to save any trade goods for it. No, you're not even going to use that ability. Yeah, yeah, it's not. It's not good enough for that. It's not like the barony ability. Right. Like it's. It's something that, like, oh, I guess I have a trade good left. Oh, you yeah. know, I'll get a hit. You I'll know? give it this. I'm glad you brought up the Barony's ability because it, it is relevant in that the problem with the Barony faction ability is you have to spend that money 
before you do the rolls. Yeah. So at the very least, you get to see what you rolled and then spend the trade good. To fix it. But it doesn't matter. If you're supposed to roll a nine and you get a six, you don't have an ability that matters. Right. So, so yeah. And the, you have so many things. I, I realize Hakan's going to get a lot of money. We all understand that yes. Hakan's going to have a lot of money. But and, but you could also spend that money on a lot of good stuff. So exactly. Hakan is a very good race, and I feel like their money's better spent on a lot of other things than right. this flagship. Yeah. And if anything, this is the one, compared to Muat and Winu, I'm okay with just this being like a whatever, they don't have a good flagship. Yeah. If, if anything, I expected more of this out of strong races. Um, and this is really the only one where we got just like a whatever. It's just yeah. a dumb flagship. Who cares? What was that? That was whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Look at this show you're listening to. <laughs> we do uh, fart noises here. That's the end of the first uh, tier. The next tier is called a good ship. A good ship. Uh, that's a good ship. That's a good ship. A good ship. <laughs> These are ships that are, they would be good with any faction. They yeah, are, they're just, just doing a good thing. They're, they're not like propelling you into success but like it's also just worth buying at any point in your game there's no reason not to get it but there's no strong reason that you have to get it. let me let me put it this way it's like these ships are like you plop these down just to have another good ship in your fleet yes like that's sort of what we're saying is like and we we're considering them more on their value uh not strategically but just tactically as another right. ship in the fleet and yeah. they're good in that way it's a good value proposition the yeah. first one up is yasarl's hunter um the flagship is called the yes uh yes really <laughs> yes uh yes really uh <laughs> yes uh yes really yeah. <laughs> uh this is a flagship that can move through systems that contain other players ships it is the only flagship with a move value of two and it's got the good roll it's got five on it or two on a five yeah two, two dice on that roll on a five so all around first off your is a good faction yeah this is a above average flagship in terms of just like all of the abilities better move than all the other ones mm-hmm. um for me it really came down to i had to separate the ability text from the rest of the flagship because when you think about how good is that ability you can make a lot of excuses for why it's not that great it's only a movement of two so how many times are you jumping over one person's yeah. system to get to one, you know, you're parked you right next to them. you can only bring the flagship. You can only bring the flagship, so you're not bringing any carriers. So at best, you're bringing three ground forces or, like, a ground force and two fighters or something. Right. You're bringing very, very little unless you get light wave deflector. And if you get light wave deflector, you don't need this flagship. Mm-hmm. So I had to separate that out because that's really not the ability of this flagship. This flagship's ability is it sustains damage. It rolls two on a five, and it moves two. It moves two. It's it a great keep, ship. It can keep up with your upgraded dreadnoughts. I feel like that yes. is more important than Or even just with your cruisers. Wave. If you're doing yeah. little... Sp- if if anything, think of it this way, it's better than your carriers. It costs a lot more, but you can send two cruisers and this flagship carry three ground forces. That's a pretty good fleet. That's, that's a moving good to, ship. That's a good ship. That's a good ship. <laughs> that's a good ship. What's our other good ship, Hunter? Uh, the other good ship is by, uh, from... It's from... Were you about to say by? It's by the by. Jolnar. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say it's by the Jolnar. Well, it is. It's it's the Jolnar ship, and it is called the Jensus <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> so it's called the Jensus Hilarious, <laughs> and its ability text is when making a combat roll for the ship, each result of 9 or 10 before applying modifiers produces two additional hits it's got a critical hit it's got got a critical hit it rolls the it is listed as a six on a two but in the hands of the jolnar that means it's a seven on a two so it's an average ship i mean a two on a seven you keep saying i see it backwards two on a seven 
average move, average capacity. So all things considered, it's like a standard flagship with the ability to critical hit. And especially considering it can roll twice, if you get two tens, you just got six hits. Right. I mean, that's huge. And that could, you know, it's basically, it's a random benefit, but it is good. I think, yeah, I mean, I think if you've got the spare money and you're like, man, I've got a lot of money this round and I was going to build two Dreadnoughts, why do that? Just build a Genus Hilarious. Just build a Genus Hilarious. J-N-S Hilarum. Yes, the (laughs) Genus Hilarious. (laughs) Uh, And honestly, there's like not, Jolnar is like the simplest flagship in the game to me. It's just like, yeah, I don't know what else there is to say about it. Like, get it because you might want to get that crit. It's going to happen sometimes. Most of your ships are rolling on a nine or a ten, so if anything, like consider it rolling like that six on a nine, right? <laughs> and sometimes you get an extra hit, or like you get a you get a you know. I like the way you put it, like you're rolling four nines and yes, tens. Exactly. Like it's like, yeah, I'm just always thinking about nines and tens, so I'm really aiming for that in my rolls. Right. <laughs> the way I flick my the way wrist. Statistics work. Yeah. Um so our next category, that was a short category. There's only two good ships apparently in this whole well, game. We, we categorize no, we, we have a lot of it. categories. The next one is what we're calling our win more category. And these this are is, great ships yes. for great races that don't always need them. Right. Really. You just may not need to build it even though you will see benefit from getting it i think the easiest example of this is the soul flagship which is called the sega genesis <laughs> yes and when so i did this whole stupid thing where i tried to like i i attributed ridiculous values to like all these different things and for me the soul flagship ended up being technically the highest value proposition of a flagship you could get everything it does is awesome everything that it does is awesome but the problem is it's in the hands of the soul who are awesome and everything that they have already does all of the things that this flagship does it is a very much win more thing because yes. if you think about especially if you if so let's do the rundown um it has a capacity of 12 which is crazy right but your carriers you're, you're already you're already good at capacity right right your carriers of um, six and they can upgrade to eight right i the i think in the episode uh i feel like i said this i don't know maybe i didn't uh i feel like the only really like useful thing it can do is like let's say you've been propping down a crazy amount of dudes on mechatol and it's time to abandon ship for some reason right. why yeah, i don't know enough. maybe maybe there's a reason um then this is kind of the only chip you could use to right. pick them all up basically because yeah. you've just got that many um it hits two on a five and its ability is that at the end of the status phase place one infantry from your reinforcements in this system's space area that is an, a little bit obnoxious the fact that in it's the in space the space area yeah the fact that you can't just plop it down on the home system and just kind of collect extra dudes sure. on your home system you have to activate your home system that next round to yeah, like let it land that's but kind of regardless all of those things are basically things you already do you have right. orbital drop you're already dropping infantry you have a bunch of capacity the five on the two is nice Mm-hmm. Um, but the two on the five whatever. is nice. Um, but yeah, in the hands of this, in any other faction, this ship would just be like, a, oh my gosh, get that! That is imagine amazing. if it was like the Yin ship, right? That would know? be an amazing Yin Brotherhood <laughs> ship. Truly, I mean that that would be just like unstoppably good. Take that! But with the soul, it's just like mm, well, I don't need it. Right? Yeah, you're just already you're already solid. Yeah, you know, like I mean, I like again. You sometimes you contextually just have to build your flagship. Sure. It's not you get that secret objective and you just gotta go for it. And I think in like I think there is a way to be like, oh well I'm soul and I'm gonna do it and it'll be fine. I just it doesn't it doesn't make you good at anything that you weren't already right. good at. Right. Uh so next up and this one is kind of a weird faction one. We we had a lot of trouble defining 
this flagship. This one's very contextual. It's the only one that we have that's that we're going to kind of split hairs yes. on a little yes. bit. Yes, we have it in two categories, and that's the Barony of Letnevs. Um, it is called the Arcasegundus. <laughs> Left my... Arcasegundus. <laughs> That's, I had a different one. Yeah. Left my Arxus in Segunda. Segundus. <laughs> I like mine A more. tribe called Barony. A tribe called Barony. Uh, <laughs> this one is other players... This one has two abilities, which is what's so crazy about it. Other players' units in the system lose planetary shield, so it breaks PDS. Which is cool. And at the start of each space combat round, repair this ship. So on that first ability is kind of its global ability yeah and the other ability is like a, this is what makes this ship by itself really good right you could put this ship in the good ship category if you wanted to because it's just like yeah it just gets to repair it's really good it also has bombardment three on a five three on a five that's really good bombardment especially in the hands of the barony who are going to get a bunch of other bombardment and then they're going to ignore planetary shield like it's doing all these amazing things and it rolls two on a five it's just it's good good it's a it's really good. really good ship but the barony's good, and you don't always necessarily... The, the planetary shield thing is conditional on whether or not your opponents even have PDS. So you, you have to kind of take that with a grain of salt. And if also they, depending on what factions you're playing against, like this, how important is this bombardment? Sometimes it could be very important. Yes. Sometimes it isn't really at all. Right. And so for us, we put it in win more because it's a good ship that's going to help you take planets, but you've already got a bunch of dreadnoughts. You're already bombarding a bunch. If the planetary shield is a problem, I don't know. You could almost put this this flagship in like four different categories if you wanted to. It yeah. could be a hole plugger. It can be a, a win more. It's kind of everything. It's sort of like you remember on the Barony episode how we took the whole thing in four different directions. Yes. That's kind of how we this, feel about the flagship. Exactly. Too. This flagship can be a bunch of different things. Yeah. So we'll talk about it again here in a minute uh, to kind of get more specific about it. But just for us, it felt like it's just adding even more dice to what you're already doing. Mm -hmm. And so to that end, it's like, yeah, I mean, you you might want it, but it's a win more. You do not need it, and it's not crucial to your strategy. I just know that in, I've personally seen other Baronies build it, and I felt like it was a win more, and it wasn't like the, a kernel to their strategy. Right. Let's go ahead and move on to the next one, because we are going to talk about Barony again. The last one we want to talk about in this category of win more is the Sardak Nors ship called the Come on, Nor. Come on, Nor. Come on. This is the interesting win more one. We took a while to figure out that we wanted it in this category because our other two win mores are great ships in the hands of a great race. That's already really good. Um, yeah. Let's let's do the rundown real quick and then we'll make our kind yes. of quick point. Um, so there, the ability is apply plus one to the result of each of your other ship's combat rolls in the system. So it does the Sardak Nor racial ability essentially Again, in right. one hex, which is cool. Um, it hits two on a six, has capacity three, normal. Yeah, capacity. and that two on a six is in the hands of the Sardak Nor. That's a two on a five. That so it is, is a two on a five. It is one yeah. of the better, you know, flagships. The in that problem regard. is that it's in the hands of the Sardak Nor. And the reason we qualified it as a win more is because Sardak Nor, you're probably not winning. So right. this doesn't <laughs> fix that for you. Yeah, if you, if you get into a lead where you have the money to afford the flagship, this is great. It's going to support the rest of your fleets. It's going to boost them up a little bit more, and that's that's all well and good. But in so many cases, like we argued in the... You're the poor the, man. Yeah, you're not going to be able to afford that's this. That's eight resources that you need to spend on this flagship. If this was in the hands of a different race, I think we would maybe be recommending it. Yes. Um, 
and saying that it was good and classifying it in a completely different tier. Right. But we just want to remind all those Cyrodiac Nor players out there that <laughs> you, you got a lot of homework to do, buddy. <laughs> you got a lot of stuff. Next time you want to play that game and win, you got to look at those VPs and focus on them. Yeah. Uh, that was a reminder. I'm smacking all the Sardak Nor players <laughs> on the wrist. I know. I'm with you. I love them. I love them. But I'm smacking you on the wrist and saying, focus. Don't get focus. distracted. So our next category is what we're calling essential to strategy. This is the ones where, for us, it was... If ever a... There's two classifications of must-have flagships for right, us. Right. There's the essential to strategy, and there's the hole pluggers. So yeah. first up is the essential to strategy. These are crucial to your to your strategy because... They do what you need them to do, and in most games, you need to be doing that a lot. Right. So the first one is the L1Z1X for us. I guess here's the distinction I want to make for this tier. It's it's that these are good and they're important to these races, but these races are not they're not broken poor people without them. Right. It just basically adds like so like let's say you have this snake. And it's got these fangs. This is the the flagship is the venom for the fangs. But fangs still hurt, right. boy. Careful. But, but but if you when you have this flagship in your fleet, you're doing everything your faction is supposed you're to just do. Scary. Honestly, yeah. we maybe should have just called it the lizards, the scary the, the L one Z one tier. Yeah. Um. So the the first one we're going to talk about is the L one Z one flagship, which is called. Oh no. What do I? How do you make this funny? Um. It's called Bleep Bleep Bloop, and <laughs> uh, its ability is during a space combat hits produced by this sh- ship and by your dreadnoughts in this system must be assigned to non-fighter ships if able. It is the Graviton laser system of dreadnoughts, yes. which is just, I mean, I know if anybody's played in a game against a fleet with this, it's very scary. It's really scary. It's really hard to figure out how to beat this. And it rolls two on a five, so it is two dreadnoughts in itself. It and also has good capacity. Yeah, that's the kicker for me. When I was first evaluating this one, I was like, yeah, it's a good ship. We'll just throw it in with, you know, win more or something. But the fact that it has five capacity, mm-hmm. to a certain extent, really helps what could be some of your problems. So it, it it adds to your fighter screen for your fleet in a significant way. And the whole deal is that now people can't fighter screen against you. Right. So your fighter screen is hanging in there, even though you focus mostly on dreadnoughts, which their dreadnoughts have a capacity of two. We haven't talked about L1Z1 yet. I don't want to get too far ahead of it. Like, I mean, yeah. I could use this as a springboard to just start talking. Sure. But regardless... Uh, I, I think it's a very important ability. We haven't covered L1Z1 yet, so who knows? Maybe we'll, may, we maybe may turn we'll, around on this We one. might turn around on but it. But I feel like it is really, that five capacity is what pushes it into the realm of it becomes essential. Yeah. Because you're going to want either that that fighter screen, like you say, or if it's a situation where like the bombardment for some reason isn't going to be enough to take a planet, like you can load up a bunch of ground forces because most of your fleet is going to... St- be comprised of dreadnoughts as opposed to carriers yeah and with even though yours are better it's still only two units per dreadnought so this really helps throw that over the edge into like incredibly good territory yeah i mean it's it's scary to face it it's scary to face a giant dreadnought fleet with bleep bleep bloop bloop yeah in there you know exactly god i'm so always so scared of bleep bleep bloop bloop. so afraid of bleeps and bloops bloop, uh, bleep, bleep, bleep. the other one in this category our other essential to strategy is this is where we're already talking about barony again because this is where we couldn't decide there's going to be basically it comes down to which type of letnev are you playing in our guide right. we talked about four different letnevs and the uprooters if you remember the flagship is essential is to essential. the uprooters. exactly and so and, and even to a certain extent for some regular barony games depending on what you're up against if you're up against a bunch of pds the flagship becomes essential 
without those two qualifiers, it's just the win more. But in those two situations, that planetary shield evasion, as well as the huge bombardment, makes it very, very essential to what your goals are in the game, which is tearing people off of planets and invading. It's the only flagship that we're going to do this with, yeah. where we like have kind of put it in two different things. And I think in general, just in this discussion, all we're trying to say is that Barony players, just kind of look at that flagship and yeah. make, make when you play, make a real, like, what is this doing for me? Like, really sit it down and ask it questions. Like, how are you <laughs> contributing to the company? Ask not what your flagship can do, do for, for you. you. Ask what you can do for your flagship. I'd flip that and reverse sure. it. Sure. You know, right. like... Ask what your flagship can do for you. Yeah. You know, what are you, what have you what done you for me? What have you done for me lately? Look <laughs> at it like that. Look it right in the eye. So our next category, and this is our biggest category. And, and if anything, this is what, for me, I want flagships to do. To be, yeah. I want flagships to be hole pluggers. And the this rest is probably them, the most important flagships yes, in the game. All of I these, I would put these as, the last category was essential to strategy, but these are the must get flagships yeah if there's any faction that needs their flagship it's the following right and so they plug a hole exactly they the plug a hole they plug a hole baby stop it this is a child Ooh. this is a pg podcast Ooh. sorry sorry uh the x cha kingdom they've which, got a hole plugger which uh that one is called the Lonkara soda Lonkara soda. Lonkara soda, which is a turtle. Lonkoka cola soda. Lonkoka soda. The ability is that you may use this unit space cannon against ships that are in adjacent systems, and it has a space cannon uh, that hits three on a five. It's like three PDS. Great. Three deep deep space cannon PDS. PDS that you can move around on the map. It is so cool. It hits two on a seven, just middling. Yep. Capacity three, average. It's an average flagship outside of its incredibly useful and amazing ability. So it is not. So it's, <laughs> yeah, it's really, really great. And the most important thing is everything else you have at your disposal as the extra is pretty much purely defensive abilities. And as we've tried to express, this was our very first first round strategy guide. And uh, I feel like the structure of that episode lacked in our ability to express some oh, things. Oh, for sure, for sure. And uh, so I want to reiterate here this is your offensive ship. This is how you take an offensive stance on the board. Is mm-hmm. is almost solely through this flagship. Um, the ability to strike out and fire at things, or anytime anyone gets close, you have this like mobile... Because PDS can't be moved anymore, you have a mobile PDS, and it, it makes your borders so much more secure while also being an offensive unit. It is both things at once, and... I will never play a game as extra where I don't try to get this as early as possible. Mm-hmm. There's just no way because you need to be getting those types of offensive units. Yeah. It's yeah. just crucial. It's great. I think it's probably my favorite flagship. Yeah. Actually. That, yeah. Yeah. In terms of just what it does to the faction and like thematically how it feels. Or at least it would be, would if be. Not for our next flagship, which of course is my actual favorite. <laughs> just tricked Matt. He looks no, embarrassed. I'm so my actual favorite flagship is the Necros flagship, which of course is called the Dumbledore. Um, You're a monster. Oh no, no, sorry. The the Mad Eye Moody. What's what are you doing? Albus. Mad Eye Moody's first name is Alaster. I think. Is it? I think it's Alaster Moody. You're and me. I thought it was. Let's. All right, fine. Gotta. We gotta look it up. Yeah. You're right. 
a la- his Mad-Eye Moody's first, so it's called the Mad-Eye Moody from now on. <laughs> Look at that actor. <laughs> Look at him. All right, anyways, um, you can't see that. Why am I talking about that? Anyways, the ability, this is the best one. Um, at the start of a space combat, choose any number of ground forces in the system. Participate in that combat as if they were ships. Non-fighter ships. Pew, 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 pew. That's like 16 yeah, fighters. It could be a million. It could be, well, I think it could be a million. It could be um, infinite. The, it hits two on a nine. Who cares? It's bringing a bunch of sevens into yeah, the fight. Yeah, who cares? And maybe, can it be sixes? No. It could sevens. be if you stole Yeah. Uh, if you stole the tech. Right. Could be. Um, and capacity three, who cares? Uh, this is the ultimate defensive yes. flagship. And it's great in the hands of the Necro because the Necro need that D. Yeah, they you, really need that D. They, they, sorry. <laughs> they need that D, and we brought them a hole plugger. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> they need that D, and I meant that in like a basketball way. Right. You know? D, and then the other person holds up the fence. Right. Right. Okay. Right. There we are. So, yeah, it is it is crucial to their strategy because you spend so much time playing offensively as Necro. You need this Alistair sitting back at home. This Mad-Eye Moody. Yes. Uh, yeah. Wow. What a great Harry Potter joke, and we've all enjoyed it. We've all loved it. Especially the way that I messed it up and called it the Dumbledore, which would have been better. It's fine. Let's move on. Do you want to yeah. move on? Yeah, let's move on. Right. And you talk. I'm going to talk about this one. Hunter hates talking about the Nalu Collective. Yeah, Nalu... I don't know. I don't know. I get confused about that. The Nalu Collective's flagship is a hole plugger. It is the matriarch, and it is during... An oh, in... I was going to call it the Mommy Mommy. The Mommy Mommy. The Moomy Mama. The during Queen an inv... Mommy. <laughs> during an invasion in this system, it's the opposite of the Alistair. During an invasion in the system, you may commit fighters to planets as if they were ground forces. When combat ends, return those units to the space area. The... Difficulty with Nalu is you invest a lot of resources into pumping out a ton of advanced fighters onto the board and just, what do you do? You gum up the works. Oh. And while you've been gumming up all of those works... I'm on the verge of retiring. You have a, a hard time taking planets because you haven't been investing a lot of your money into ground forces. And so the Matriarch, throw that into the mix. It's got a capacity of six, which is the second highest capacity outside the souls. It's not rolling great, but... You're hoping to get through the space combat, and this is what's securing your victory on the planet. Mm-hmm. And if anything, when used correctly, it makes Nalu one of the best factions at taking planets. I mean, if you pack this thing with fighters and then bring a carrier with one ground force and then three more fighters, that's nine fighters that you're dropping on a planet. It's going to be pretty... Most races will not be able to compete with that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's good. I, I like it, and I think it does plug a hole for them because there's really no reason to build ground forces, right. and you really don't want... You want to be building as few as possible because you want to have as many fighters yeah. as you possibly can. And this makes that strategy viable. You can right. have one ground force yeah, for every six or seven fighters, and, yeah. and it ends up being totally fine. Yeah, it's super cool. Uh, our next one is another faction we haven't really delved into too heavily, but that's the Ghosts of Creus. Yeah, and their um, their flagship is called the Phil Collins. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I took, been, I took my time been, on yeah, that one. Yeah, you've been ready for that one. He's... he's while I was talking about the novel, yep. he just yep. looked at the I was, I was just getting bored and looking at the other names. Uh, the Phil Collins. The Phil Collins. And the, it is the one that creates a Delta wormhole, which is a direct link to your home system. During movement, the ship can move before or after the other ships. So anything that's in your home system can come to wherever your flagship 
is or goes. Also, anything near your flagship can retreat to home and defend if it needs to. The big problem with the Ghost of Creus is your flagship is far away from everyone, but if someone goes for it, you've spread out very far away from it, and this flagship fixes that problem. The other problem with the Ghost of Creus that I have found is, sure, you can use Alpha and Beta wormholes interchangeably, but that ability still is kind of hard to use because you're still digging usually into other people's pie slices. You're really having, you have to play aggressively as the Ghost of Creus to utilize their abilities, and the danger of that is that you haven't really established your own pie slice. What the Hill Callish or the Phil Callinch does for you is it it lets you have some sense of a pie slice because of that direct link between your flagship and your home system. Mm-hmm. Um, any game where I didn't build my flagship as the Ghost of Creus, so far at least, I have tried to get an outward space dock, and then I very rarely was able to defend very much at home. But if you play a game where you have that flagship out very quickly, you're just constantly pumping huge fleets out of your home system. It's always very well defended, yeah, yeah. and then they're jumping out onto the board wherever you need them. And it's just a it's a much more comfortable way to play the Ghosts of Creus. And so to that end, it's a hole plugger. You, you need to rein in your own mobility, and this ties in with your mobility in a way that actually benefits you. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one we'll have to talk a lot more when we get into the Ghost, the Ghost of Creus first round strategy yeah. guide, but that's, if anything, a little teaser. I think it's pretty critical to what you want to accomplish as the Ghost of Creus. Cool. What a little fun teaser. What a little fun teaser, Hunter. Um, next one we're going to talk about is uh, the Mentac and their flagship. Uh, it's uh, it's just called the Fourth Moon. Oh, that was fun. Yeah. Yeah. What does it do, though? Uh, it... Its ability is that other players' ships in the system cannot use sustained damage. And it hits two on a seven, average capacity. That's a cool ability, though. It it's, is a cool it's ability. A, it's good. We list this one last as our whole pluggers because it it's sort of... It's hard to call the problem it's fixing a hole with the Mentac. You could put this flagship with any faction and it would be a great flagship. Yeah. It's going to serve the same purpose. It might even much... be better with other factions. Yes. Yeah. But the Mentac, in a lot of cases, you're playing with these kind of odd mobile cruiser fleets that are jumping all over the place and very rarely building your own dis- uh, your own de- dreadnoughts. And you're not really investing in sustained damage or even necessarily fighter screens that much. Right. And so what the fourth moon allows you to do is take away that advantage from your opponent and put them on evil even, equal, even yeah, footing with put them you. on even footing with you. Yeah. Uh, and that's sort of why it's the whole plugger. I sort of wanted to put this in uh the Maybe even rainy day. Yeah. Maybe almost, where we could have put it. But at that same thought, like I want to build the fourth moon in almost every single game. Like right. I don't build it early necessarily as Mentech, but it is one it is always in my late game fleets. I think it is also the best example of a flagship that's maybe a little more popular than I feel like it is useful. Maybe. Don't hurt me. Hey, don't Maybe. hurt me. I'm just a little baby boy. Right. But I do feel like it's a little more popular than I feel like it's warrants, basically. Maybe. It depends. It really depends on the game. What stinks is every time I see, or every time I notice this flagship hit the board, Mentech is adjacent to, like, Barony Aletnev. And in that situation... Super cool! Boy, did you just ruin Barony's day! Super yeah. cool! But, yeah, there's definitely gonna be a lot of games where maybe that isn't a hole that you have. And that's right. sort of the problem. That, right. That's why it's hard to call it a hole plugger. It's not always a hole that it's you have. plug in a hole that you might not always have. Yeah. It's a conditional hole. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 
Like, but like the necro hole, that one will always be. You're there. always going to have that defensive problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's so, a hole you can rely on. That's a, that's a reliable <laughs> hole. The the uh, well, the last of the regular tiers before we get to our special tier, yep. our hidden secret tier. I feel like um, people are already getting a clue. No, they have no they idea. Have no they idea. have no idea. They have no idea. This tier is called the rainy day tier. And these are just two flagships that we feel like only really makes sense if you're having a bad day. If you're having a bad yes. game, they're not bad. They're just kind of... If anything, if you're having a bad day, they are a huge mm-hmm. way to help you. Mm-hmm. I would say this, this first one more so than the next yeah, one. They're, they're kind first, of two different classifications of the same problem. Right. This first one is is useful, but it just won't always be. Um, it's the Arbor X flagship, and I'm going to do a very local joke, and I'm going to call it the the Duha McMinimins. Oh, that's fun because in that's... Portland there's a bunch of those McMinimins are all over. How uh-huh. fun for all you Portlanders! Only the Portland people maybe laughed at that if they did, they which didn't. they probably did. Yeah, yeah. Well, what it does is after you activate the system, you may produce up to five units in this system. Uh, it rolls two on a seven. It has capacity five, which is great. That's good. That's very good. And good. the big thing is... It, I mean, it almost has to. Yeah. To a certain extent, you could say this flagship could sort of be good with any other faction, just because it's like, oh, I can build at the beginning of a turn. I can mm-hmm. I can activate and build. But it's that fact that you have to activate the system that the flagship is in. It's purely defensive, right? You're never building and move, then moving out right, and attacking. Right, right. So it's purely defensive, and with the Arborek, the big catch with it is it, you can build five ground forces and then build out of those five ground forces at the end of the turn. Right. So you get to double down on production with this flagship. But hopefully, if you've been playing Arborek and having a decent game, that's why we call it Rainy Day, is you should have your production yeah. should be fine. You don't usually need to improve your production honestly if arborek was a better race in general instead of like kind of having a slow start and then it being a little bit difficult into the like late game yeah um i think we would probably classify this as a win more basically yeah Yeah. but because i do feel like it has a place as a like oh man okay we're gonna start over with the flagship yeah 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 the the muat was next to me and they bombarded out i had my forward like snowball going yeah and somebody like literally burned it right to walk or that or you're you decided to take a position on mechatol rex and the mechatol nuke agenda hits like okay we gotta like really find a way to quickly rebuild and the the arborex flagship lets you quickly rebuild that's like its primary function Mm -hmm. uh the other rainy day and this is kind of the other side of the rainy day coin is the clan asar Mm -hmm. hunter uh yeah it's called the son of pog um oh the old 90s toys is that what you're yep, going for that's the so son of Pog. what a what a throwback to all of you people that are exactly our age uh-huh it's uh has no ability yeah <laughs> that's really. the weird thing about it is it's the only flagship with just there's no ability text um but it does have anti-fighter barrage four on a six yes yes you roll four dice you want to hit sixes or higher yeah. it also has great combat two on a five and then average move and capacity this was a really hard one to decide. Yeah, where we couldn't we decide it. exactly where to put this. Yeah, but actually. I think we settled on rainy day because, honestly, the only reason you ever need the son of Pog <laughs> is because <laughs> someone's gonna come at you with fighters. You got Nalu, or you got a soul who decided yeah. to go heavy into fighters. Anything like that. Like this is your rainy day fund of okay. Well, 
that those fighters are eventually going to be a problem. And, and you're SAR, so you're going to be able to just, like, kind of decide on a dime yes. that, like, you want to go ahead and build right. it. Right. Like, there's gonna... no reason to forward invest in the flagship. Right. Yeah, you, you never build it early. You build it as soon as you are going to need it. Even if you get chaos mapping, you literally build it the second before <laughs> you need it. Like, it is it is not even a thing you have to think about as long as you keep those eight resources available. It's it's a very easy, just like, oh, time to bring that thing out and and fix my fighter problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Hunter? Uh, n- now it's time for our final secret tier. There's one faction we haven't talked about. There's one faction flagship we haven't talked about. It's a fan favorite. I want to tell people... This is not just a bit to Hunter and I. It is a bit, and it's a thing we love to do, and I... I, Oh, no, there's some truth to the bit. There's a lot of truth to the bit. So, Hunter, the Yin Brotherhood is what is left. Right. What are we... What is the category we've given? It's in a tier all on its own. Just like it's... Just like the faction itself. Right. And we we stand by that for... I do. It's funny, but also we feel like the Yin is just such a separate outlier race from yes. all the other races. And we're calling their tier the gun on the table tier. Yes. And Hunter, that sounds like explain, a joke. Explain what that really means. It'd be like the Yin Brotherhood like flagship is kind of, it's just so, it's more, it's the most meta flagship yes, that exactly. there is. That's the it is much scarier as a threat. That's why we say gun on the table, not shooting your friends. No, just the threat that it sits there. It's just like you're playing poker and somebody has a gun at the table. That's a little scary. If you cheat against the guy who right. has a gun on the table, what's going to happen to Let's you? talk about its abilities. Yeah. It's, it it's rolls- called the Van Huge. Um, <laughs> People have been waiting for that one too. The Huge Van. The Huge Van. <laughs> it's a VW, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> And it, it rolls bad. It's a two on a nine. Uh, it's average everything else. Capacity three, one movement. But here we go, baby. When this ship is destroyed, destroy all ships in this system. It is a nuclear device. Yes. And the important thing to note with that is when we were trying to put it in other categories, here's the thing. It is not... We're going to go through each of the categories and explain why it is not in those. Yeah. Let's start. Let's go backwards. Rainy day. Uh, <laughs> well, if you're having a rainy day, this flagship isn't going to help you because all you're going to do is blow somebody up. It's it Essentially, you could make an argument for it being a rainy day flagship for the table. For the table, Not right. necessarily for yin. Yes, you can, you can, the person who's running away with it, you can kneecap them. You can crush their hopes of winning the game. But that doesn't do anything for you as the yin player. But it, but it can be uh, effective for the entire table. Is it a hole plugger? What, is there a hole what? that Yin needs to blow up more of their own stuff? <laughs> is that the whole, man, Yin just not blowing up enough of I'll, their own I'll say stuff. this much. This is where the, the kind of meta narrative of it takes its strongest precedent. People like to talk about uh, the the huge van in terms of like a, it can defend Mechatol or it can defend your home system because I'll talk about the Mechatol thing first. If I've got a Van Hugh Van Haug, sitting on Mechatol Rex. I could have that be the only ship sitting there. Mm-hmm. And what it forces the rest of the table to decide is someone needs to activate Mechatol Rex. And if you don't have warfare, someone needs to activate Mechatol Rex, send ships in, blow them up so that somebody else can come in and take Mechatol Rex. The only way to take advantage of it is to have fleet logistics and warfare. And even then, that's not enough time. Right. Like, you, you cannot attack the Van Haug and win. 
Yeah. It is impossible. So yeah. all you do is open up the path for somebody else. So to that end, sure, you could make arguments for these weird meta narratives where it's like, oh, these two players decided to work together to give one player Mechatol Rex. It's just so much scarier as a threat than it is exactly. as a useful... What will usually happen is the Van Hag will just sit there and no one will ever attack right. you because it's not worth doing. And in that way, it kind of does fill that hole of just like, what is the Yin doing? How are they defending anything with their crazy destroyer fleets and their odd you know play style well at least they can defend mechatol rex yeah but at that point you're playing calvin ball which is meta like you're just saying like oh i don't you know anything goes yeah yeah and that has to do with like your even your own personality as a player factoring into the van hauk is not essential to your strategy because just throwing a nuke at someone is not a strategic you make the argument yeah you do give it it give it to me it's you're not winning anymore because you literally cannot take and hold anything with the van hauk you are never ever ever using the van hauk offensively right to your own gain you can mm-hmm. use it offensively to destroy someone but you cannot use it for your own gain right and, and it's not a good ship. it's not a good ship it Done. rolls on a nine you're not Done. gonna you don't really use it to win combat it's not a good ship yeah is it only worth the vp in some cases case well, wait yes. can you score because you technically draw oh right the two objectives win a fight with your flagship you would not it's impossible well yeah so well i mean you would draw obviously if it if it just didn't if you didn't if you got to build it for the vp and then i'll say this much the flagship itself is not helping you win that fight no with its two dice not at all it's taking up a fleet supply and it is not helping yeah and if someone and if you try and sustain damage with it someone might direct hit it and then blow up yes you just lost the fight so you that's it's not worth it it is the hardest flagship to win that objective yeah but that's why we call it it is a gun on the table it's a hey it has all these meta implications that like we can't even account for the number of ways yes so scary all right all right let's get stupid all right let's get really something really stupid so we have built um a tournament a basketball why i don't know why i keep calling it basketball it's just the only sport that's got tournaments yeah it doesn't make sense uh so we have built a tournament bracket um and we are going to do for you for some reason, a 1v1 yep. flagship v flagship tournament live right here on the podcast yes. right now. And, and um, so what we're doing in this yeah, is let's, let's we're assuming rules. all of the capacity is filled up with fighters. So yeah. we're bringing fighters full up to capacity with every single ship. Uh, and we're just seeing if we can win a space combat. Obviously, this ignores a lot of the different flagships primary benefits this is goofy and stupid okay turn yes. your brain off just um, <laughs> uh in it, one one special rule i want to throw in for just for the fans um if the van hog is destroyed uh that would technically be a draw so we're we are going to do a coin flip to see if it wins to, to see if the it round wins. so if if the yin blows itself up it could potentially blow itself up to to win the entire right, tournament right so let's hope that happens because yes, that would be the most that exciting would be really thing. great uh, so our first round, because we have 17 races, we have to do kind of a pre-qualifier round. And we did this completely randomly, and this random number generator really gave us a pretty awesome bracket that right. I'm really excited right. to do. It's a cool bracket. So first up, Hunter, we've got Winu versus the Muat. Yeah. Bum, bum, ba, dum, bum, bum. So what we're going to do is... Uh, Y'all ready for this? We've got the battle calculator pulled up, and we're going to say what the odds are of victory, and then we're going to just roll it out. We're going to do a one-time shot just to see what actually happens in in our scenario. Mm-hmm. So we've got... I'm going to play the Mua. Obviously. You're going to play the Mua, and I'm going to play the Winu. So I get to roll one on a seven because I'm only up against one non-fighter ship. Yeah. So not the ideal situation for the Winu's win. flagship. Uh, and I've got three fighters, and you've got your flagship. I've got three fighters as well. Two on a five with three fighters. Okay. Um, 
So again, this ignores the fact that you could have a free cruiser in this system, but yeah, we're not I don't doing want to account that. for that. That would that wouldn't be fair. Um, the odds here are the Muat have actually. You know what? Let's give him the cruiser. Let's give him the cruiser. He doesn't. You have an eighty-eight percent chance to win already. Yeah, I have, but I want to see how far the Muat could go. No, I'm right, not fine. doing it. I'm right, not doing right, it. Fine, fine, so fine, the Muat fine. have an 88% chance to win with at least one ship surviving, and Winu has an 8% chance. So Are we, are we going to roll for the fighters, or are we just going to let the fighters be fodder? I, I don't think we should roll for them. Oh, you don't want to? No, we got to roll for the fighters. All right, fine, fine. Because so, otherwise this will take forever. Yeah, that's true. One hit. This is the dumbest. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to skip to the results of this. We're going to roll for a yeah, minute, yeah, yeah, and we'll yeah, skip to yeah, the yeah. results. All right, so I got one hit, you got one hit. I'm going to take a fighter loss. Oh, wait, no, you don't I'll have direct hit. hit. I'll sustain damage. <laughs> yeah. there's, no, there's no direct hit, so there is no direct hit. I just, that blew my mind. Yeah, all right. One, just one hit. Done. Three rounds, the win you lose. Win you lose, Muat won. With it two was, fighters left It over. was insane, guys. It was <laughs> you really just... missed out. Uh, uh, I want to say Muat won by, like, still had two fighters left, yep. had only taken one hit. Yep. So Muat advances into the actual tournament. So let's dive into the real. Now we're in a round of 16 tournament. Yeah. And first up is Sardak versus Muat. Sardak versus Muat. So he's got his same. We're bringing him back up to three fighters. His ship has been repaired. And I've got my two on a five and three fighters. Yeah, so I'm not, Matt is playing for the Sardak. I'm rolling for the Muat. Obviously losing any of my racial advantages with this flagship because I'm not... But your fighters adding, hit. Your my fighters, fighters hit, hit on an eight. Yeah. You're right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's worth noting the Sardak Nor have a 60% chance to win this. Muat have a 23% chance. We'll and that's because happens. of my improved fighters. We'll yeah. see what happens. All right. Uh, one hit. Three hits. Whoa! There it is. That was bad. <laughs> I'm dead. My I, Sardak is left with only their flagship, but the Sardak move on. It was a close. It was, it close. was a close, was close one. There was one round where it almost swung and then became fine. This is fun. This is fun. This is audio poison. All right, so the next match is Barony versus L1Z1X. Let's get that prediction. At the start of the, each specs come out and I get to repair this shit. So I get to play as Barony, and I get to repair my ship at the start of every single round, but he's got five fighters. So I have to assign ships from that ship to... non So your fighters don't yeah. work. It sucks because I don't have non-Euclidean shielding. If I had non-Euclidean shielding, yeah. this could be a different yeah. thing. But, yeah, but every, you basically do with the repair. Every hit from his flagship has to be... A, oh, so wow. I've this got is the best be... chance to win on the first round. Okay. Yes. Uh, he's got... Actually, worth noting, Lizix has a 77% chance to win, and uh, Barony only has 20. You're right. So let me make sure I have sucks. the rolls right. Two, we're each rolling two on a five. Okay. Your flagship got a hit? That's what I need to yeah. know. Oh, you're, yeah, flagship got a hit. Okay, so I have to take that one here. Oh, and then the two others were fighters, so right. yeah. Okay. okay. All right. Uh, at the start of the round, I repair. That's, you I just have so many yep. fighters. Yep. L1Z1 wins! Well, technically, I have a fighter left in oh, the okay. space. Okay, let's roll it out. Yeah. All right. Hit. Yeah. So there it is. L1Z1X wins, of course. So far, we have hit all the statistics correctly. Yeah. All right, Necro versus Yin is our next one. Necro, Necro virus versus, versus Yin. Yin. I will play Necro, obviously. That will be Not a good flagship. This won't be, be good. Yeah, Actually, Necro good will not you. win. But Yin probably It sucks because, yeah, we, we could normally assume you have ground forces, but that's not what we're doing here because we are not nope. playing realistic no, scenarios. No, you're not. We're playing, we're playing goofy time. Both of these are bad. Yeah. This is going to be crazy. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So, right now, no the battle cal the back battle calculator is telling us it's a 52% chance of a draw, but it gives him a 0% chance of winning because it's up against the Yin's flagship. So, right. again, reminder, we're going to be flipping a coin here 
to, to decide what happens if he does beat me. But really, we're rolling the exact same things right now. We're rolling a bunch on a nine. So five on a nine? Yeah. No hits. One hit. That's it. I got at least one hit every single round. Wow, yeah, you did well. I wiped the floor with you. I, I sustained damage once and left all my fighters. So that's not normal odds, but it is true that technically he could have never won so that So Necro, or Yin won without blowing itself up, which that's is odd. notable. That is notable. And Yin, everybody wants Yin to win. And I think I, I made that special rule just because I want <laughs> Yin to you win. Want, yeah. All right. All right, next, next matchup is Sar versus Jolnar. This one, um, I'm Who's going to play what? I'll be Jolnar. You'll be Jolnar? Yeah. I will be Sar then, son of Rog, which I don't think will Rog win. I do not know if this current build of the battle calculator can account for me getting nines and tens. Right. And getting extra yeah. hits. How would, it, how would it? Oh, wow. This is a crazy matchup. This might be. Yeah. This could be big. But okay, your anti-fighter so... barrage will certainly crush me. Four on a six. Let's roll it. Oh. <gasps> no hits. I got so wow. lucky. Wow. Okay, uh, Sar had a 95% chance of winning this fight, and it's probably exclusively because of yeah. your, you yeah. were supposed to get some hits there. So, all right, I got two hits. I got a critical hit and then a hit on a fighter, so four hits. That's game. That's it. That's game. Wow. Defeat defying all odds. Wow. The Jolnar pulled out with one lucky wow. hit. Wow, man, that Sar one could have gone all the way. Yeah, yeah. Could have gone all the way with that. That anti-fighter barrage really... That's crazy. So that yeah, Jolmar wins. Def that's the upset. First upset of the tournament. First <laughs> upset of the tourney. All right, here we go. Ne next one is Extra versus Nalu. How do we want to simulate the Extra Space Cannon? Do we want to? We do it. Yeah, yeah we, we can do. do it. We can do it. Right. And uh, we won't do plasma scoring, so it is just three on a five. But you'll, just like Star, you'll get to fire three before. They start with upgraded fighters. Worth noting. I mean, their, their fighters start better. So yours are now on a seven or on an eight instead of a nine. Okay, that's good. Um, um, where's Where's Nalu? I want to see how many. They have five. Five, five. Six. Six fighters, Yikes. baby. Yikes. Okay. And Extras is on a three. So our odds right now are, ooh, 4% chance of a draw, 67% chance for a Nalu victory, 28% chance of Extra. It might not be adding in Space Cannon, though. And we're, we, we need to account. This is interesting because we said before, Extra has Graviton Laser System. They start with it. So we're taking that into account with my Space Cannon rolls. So this could be end. This could end before it starts. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and roll that. So three on a five, space cannon. Oh wait, wait. How about this? You already rolled it. It's too late. What were you gonna say? I was gonna say if you use graviton laser system, you have to tap it for the entire tournament. That's an, that's absurd. Why not? Why? No, why? I don't want. Cause because then extra will win. No, they might not. Well, all right. So they already won this. They so won this fight. How fun was that, guys? That was really fun that for me. Fun. Um. <laughs> That was bad audio. Uh, I, I'm going to say that they've tapped Graviton Laser Systems and that's it. Because I don't want to see Extra just like go through without there being a fight. You know what I mean? There's no drama in that. I mean, if you if you want to make that rule, I will do it. And this would be the one fight I would want to use it. Up against six fighters? Of course I want it. Unless the, the soul is going to be the other problem, I guess. But. Yeah. Do you want to save it for soul? Can I do it every, can I do it within every two rounds? Like in. I did it in round two, so now in the semifinals, can I untap it? Yeah, you have to choose between the semifinals or the finals. Okay, what, what round I will do that. All right, so you're going to use it now. We used it. So so Nalu's out. Extra used Graviton laser systems. Yep, to win that fight. To win that fight. So Extra will be very, very, very vulnerable, vulnerable next round. To... Oh, man. And I'm going to play Soul. Because the next one? round is a console, which means yep. almost definitely Soul will be up against Extra. I am doomed. Yep. 
So, oh, soul, you monster. So you're going to play Hakan. It's just I'm too many. Soul. Yep. I'm playing as the dumb Hakan. Are we assuming I have any trade goods? Uh, yeah, we've played pretty fast and loose with that. How about this? Uh, you've got you've got two trade goods. Can I just say something? What? We we are literally playing Calvin. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> we, we always talk about this on the podcast, but today we are quite How literally... How many fighters do play, I have? You have 12 fighters. 12. Jeez. I have a Hakan flagship. And two trade goods. I have two trade goods? Is that what you said? Okay. Let's, let's say you have as many trade goods as you have capacity. So you have three trade goods. Great. <laughs> cool. Uh, the the tracker says you have a 100% chance of winning. You probably have a 100%, you have a 100% chance of winning with one, two, three, four, five fighters surviving. Sorry, six fighters surviving. Cool. So this this uh, that maybe would have been another cool way to do this. Like you you don't get to keep. How your is fighters. the soul flagship not going to win this whole thing? Well, that's what I'm saying is I might want to institute because now I don't have graviton laser system. I might want to institute. Well, it's too late now. Uh, yeah, all right, you can use graviton every time, and we'll just see how boring that is. But if it's boring, then we might change it. How about that? Because otherwise, it comes down to soul versus extra for the end, probably. Well, I mean, if extra beats soul with not even a single thing left over, that will be pretty sad. But then Soul wipes the floor with everyone else with twelve fighters. Well, we'll see because I think I think there are other. All right, let's yeah. see. We will, we will say we will. I'm gonna go with what we said before, where I don't get to untap okay. until the next okay. round. But that's just gonna really suck for them. Uh, so three hits. Great. <laughs> One for you, <laughs> sir. I will sustain. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Two hits. That's it. That's it. I don't all don't right. even roll. All right, fighters. all right. So, so with. 12 fighters, no, sorry, with 11 fighters left over, Soul handedly wins. This is absurd that we're even doing this. Yeah. But it does prove the point that I said earlier, to be honest. Like, as just straight up value, the Soul ship is The Soul awesome. ship is the best. Yeah. It's just so good. All right, yeah. Mentak versus Arborek. No sustained damage for the Arborek. So I've got three versus his five. Here's the odds. 70% chance for Arborek. They're both 22 two on a sevenners. Yeah. Yeah, which is cool. No hits. One hit. I can't sustain. Yep, here it comes. Oh. Two hits. I didn't get any. Two hits. No, by the skin of his teeth. Wow. Oh. Arborek won that just almost, That was barely. almost our first draw. Yeah, that was almost a draw. That was crazy. That's, that was so much fun. Sucks. I wanted Mentech to get that one because Mentech could have gone far. Mentech <clears throat> could have gone far. I do agree. All right. Here we go. Final. Final of the of, preliminary round. Yeah, the first round prelims is Isarl versus Ghost. Yeah, Trius has a 13% chance versus Isarl's 79% chance All right, to win. here we go. Two hits. It's our first draw. Wow. What do we do? We flip the coin, I guess. Yeah, that's so what we were going to do, do for again. Ian. Isarl. Isarl wins on a Isarl coin toss. Isarl wins on a coin toss. First draw. Well, the, and the odds were crazy. Like yeah, I didn't. You, you, I should not have gotten there. You should have not got have gotten that draw. That was really defied the math there. <laughs> all um, right, all right. So we've got round quarterfinals. Quarterfinals. First matchup: Sardak Nor versus L One Z One. Two and a five. My fighters roll better, but you've got more. So eighty three percent chance for L One Z One. Okay, that's game. Okay. Yeah, I didn't get any hits anyways. Okay. Yeah. So. Flagship got one hit. That's, man, that's... It's very good. That's very good in this tournament. Yeah. 
in this dumb, in this stupid, <laughs> stupid thing we're doing that I'm loving, right? By the way, <laughs> I don't know how. I'm glad I just gave myself like an hour's worth more material yeah. to like diligently edit. Right. All right. Next up. So L1Z1 made it. Uh, Yin this, versus Jolnar. Yin versus Jolnar. I will play Yin. The classic matchup. The classic matchup. Yin versus Jolnar. It's a 69% chance of a draw, again, because of the Yin. This, the Yin flagship always throws off the odds, but Jolnar has a 31% chance of winning. No, okay. sorry. Yin has a 31% chance of winning. So somewhere in there is what Jolnar's odds are. Um, okay. But again, we're oh, it's making up rules. Just five on a nine. I got my crit. So the Van Hog. So the Van Hog blows up, and we're just doing another coin flip. To see if it. Well, wait. So, what happens though if in this turn? Did you get two hits? I did. Well, I got I got two hit or I got a hit. Oh no! I just I got had a, a fighter. Oh, okay. If cool. you only got one hit, then it's not all right. Hit. So the Van Hog blows up. So now <laughs> Van Hog, Van Hog, Jolnar, Jolnar. Come on, Van Hog. Come on, Van Hog. Van Hog. No! And the Van Hog makes it to the next round I of really, the tournament. Here's what I've learned in this tournament so far. Uh, the Jolnar flagship is the most fun flagship. It's a very fun flagship. <laughs> to, to be looking for those crits is like, I wish that was a mechanic in TI at yeah. large. Yeah, just like Like old critical. Shock Trooper yeah. thing. Yeah, that I, was I, cool. That incentive to get a crit is just really important. All right, important. so Yin, make Yin the fan favorite, wow. the favorite to win. Yeah, because it could come down to Yin versus Soul. And then it's just a coin flip. Because, yeah, yeah. like, Soul will definitely win. Yeah. Here we go. All right, All right. so Extra versus Soul. Oh, this is the one I've been dreading. This is, this one's, this one's pretty rough. Um, so I don't get to use my Graviton. I mean, that's what we said. Yes. I, I'll stick to it. That sucks. Oh, oh, my God. It's just unstoppable. It is pretty much unstoppable. Yeah. There, there were a couple ships I was like, that could maybe have stopped it. I like, though, if you, if Extra makes it through this... Which they can't. There's no way. Again, it's, all right, it's all right, 100% all right, all right. chance. Let's graviton laser system it. I want I, I want that. I don't want it to be 100% chance. That's boring to me. Let's all graviton right, laser all right. system. I get to use graviton laser system again. Three on a five to see if this, if even, this even continues. Happens. Yeah, three on a five. Yeah, one hit. But I only got one. one so hit. it comes. Okay. You could even take a hit on a fighter. Theoretically, you wouldn't know. So, I, so yeah. I didn't kill it. So that's it. So the souls' na- days are numbered. Here we go. <laughs> I mean, Xjaw's days are numbered. Do you, do you have do you have your right amount of fighters and stuff? Yeah. I mean, it says a hundred percent, but that's not actually true. You know what I mean? It's there's no such thing as a hundred percent for rolling dice. You know? I it's mean, pro- it's, it's probably the, it's like ninety nine point nine nine, and it repeating. rounded up. Yeah. Yes. 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 That is what that is. One hit. I already got it. You take one hit. I I left him with nine fighters. I, I think a good rule for this would have been maybe that you 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 don't get to like refresh your fighters every time. Does that yeah. Be good for soul? But it was too late. Continue by the time I the whole by the time I thought about that, we'd gone so far into the tournament that I was like, "There's no way we're yeah. gonna remember." Um, all, all right. right. So our last quarterfinal is Arborek versus Isarl. And I think I want to play Arborek. Five. Okay. Ooh. So sixty-five percent chance for Arborek to win. Twenty-five percent chance for Isarl. All right. We haven't been keeping track of who of us is winning. Oh yeah, well who cares about that part? <laughs> One hit. Arborek. Alright, Arborek. Gets out again. It's it's just all those having all those fighters. Yeah. I mean that's gonna do it for almost every race. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Okay. Semifinals. Semifinals. This I is put, a big I'm gonna one. put on some like dramatic music now. Okay. Provided good. by Ben Prunty. Good. Good. And uh, here we go. So here we go. The first semifinal round: L1Z1X versus the Yin Brotherhood. Obviously, fan favorite Yin Brotherhood. Yeah. Will they win it on a coin toss? Right. That's the only way That's they could. The only thing that can happen. <laughs> What's funny about this one is it lists it as a 100% chance as a draw. <laughs> Only meaning Be- because that, you're gonna crush because me. there's no yeah there's no way it's it assumes there's no way for Yin to win right which means the Yin ship will blow up I'm 100% draw I'm excited this is why we're doing this all right my flagship got a hit and so I the Yin fighter hit the Yin blow so we up. do the coin so, flip so the coin flip happens now so once so. again Van Hog Lizix here we go we're flipping a, a thumb drive by the way this is so stupid. Make it out of the inner. Actually, that just assures that the soul will win, to be honest. Sustained damage. No, it's going to be a tight, tight fight. Oh. This, this is perfect. Because what we're really calling it is if all the fighters, because if the fighters survive, they can make it a draw. Right. But then we do a coin flip. So we might have yeah. a coin flip for the victory. Yeah, yeah. which is what I want. I don't know if that's play. even what we did earlier. I think we had a situation where your fighters were left over. Yeah, but I don't want to play that way. That's boring. The right. flagship has to make it. You can't win with just fighters. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Soul versus Arborex. Soul 12 versus, versus five fighters. The best Arborex. Extra did the best against Soul so yeah. far. Yeah. Because they got, I got to take one of your sustained damages away. In fact, I'm going to say reason. this. I'm going to say this. Uh, Soul can't, couldn't get those fighters back for fun. No, 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 no. Let's let's All keep right, it going because it doesn't. You wanted to stay consistent. You want to stay pure. Stay, yeah, stay consistent. But right, it's, so worth, it's worth noting that the best opponent so far against the soul was the X. Was the X The Yin was the only saving grace on getting a coin flip. But honestly, Lizix might get a coin flip here as well. Yeah. So, and we never looked at the odds for Soul and Arborex. Whatever, Arborex. whatever. So this is the final round. Soul flagship versus L1Z1X flagship. And I don't think the battle calculator will be able to account for. You you have five fighters. I do have five. And I'm gonna hey, say- Hey, I have a 2% chance. 2% chance. It's better gonna, than anyone else has had. I'm gonna say though, if you destroy the flagship that like, if your flagship is still standing after that round of combat, that you win. I won't call it win. I'm gonna call it a coin flip. Okay. Just like every other one. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right, here we go. <laughs> so dumb. Two total hits, both from the flagship. Okay. So you're- Yours dies. But I also got two hits from my flagship, and I haven't even rolled the fighters yet, so I would have destroyed all your stuff My as well. stuff died as well, but now... The Lizix did the best, but now we coin flip to see... We coin flip for the win. For the win. Because... Just to prove the, how stupid Because all the Soul was. flagship couldn't survive, and that's not honorable. <laughs> so, Soul... Lizix. Yeah, here we go. What did I just say? Soul? Soul. Yeah. No! Soul! And the Soul wins! The random stupid flagship uh, tournament that we did that took way too long, way too long. and wasn't even worth I've it. Gotta edit and Matt's got to edit so much now. But oh, thank you all for coming yes. to the first annual. I will say this much: flagship it, it tournament. finally confirmed all my stuff. Of I put in all these things, and the Genesis was based on all my criteria. The Genesis was far and above the best flagship out of all of yep. them. Yeah, and I mean that proved that part of it, I guess. But in a weird it stands way. by the fact that the Solar so good, they don't even need the best flagship in the game. Right, right. So that's that's not nothing. Yep, yep, really cool, All really right. fun. Let's go do some errata. Let's do some errata. See you in the errata. <laughs>
Y'all ready for goofs? The Winu are bad. They're a bad, bad race. Let's talk about the Winu because they're really bad and it's not as much fun as what we just were doing because this is really depressing when we talk about the Winu. Winu Arata, welcome to the Winu Arata tournament where we are going to take all of your suggestions and we're going to put them in a bracket challenge (laughs) and have them face off against each other. It's only going to take two hours. (laughs) We are going to talk about... uh, some Winu errata, and this is going to be a very weird, different kind of errata. Wait, mostly, why? at mostly at the end, we'll get to the weird part. Okay. Um, but let's let's dive into the regular stuff. Okay. First one is from the Twilight Imperium subreddit. It is from Katrinka, and it is just a speculative speculative question. Ooh, I'm good at that word. Um, you mentioned in the Sardak Noir episode, they, they spelt it Noir, like... Sardak Noir. Like Pinot Noir. <laughs> Sardak Noir. That's very good. If you did that on purpose, you are a lot funnier at Twilight Imperium than we are. The Sardak Noir. Um, you mentioned in the Sardak Noir episode that the developers were scared of the plus one to combat faction ability, so they nerfed the faction. But as you said, it seems that the Winu are the most difficult faction to play with because they have no useful faction-specific tools at their disposal. Why do you think the developers nerfed the Winu in this way? Sardak is at least granted a good starting fleet, but Winu are given close to nothing to help them. So, yeah, we this is something we've talked about before of like these factions that the, the developers were kind of afraid of letting be too overpowered, and so they kind of gut them before we ever get to try them out. Um, we asked Dane about the Winu a little bit in our... Uh, interview with him and i'll kind of repeat a little bit of what he had to say which was um he talked about when winu can do a turn one mechatol and he worded as if you can do it without committing a ton to it which i would kind of push back against him now to say you the only way you do turn one mechatol is by committing everything to it right but regardless if you get a successful turn one mechatol you end up with a pretty big haul and while it can be really hard to hold on after that it is a point and more importantly it's technically worth two command counters next turn if you don't get immediately crushed that's the big tricky part of the winu and i and i can see why that's hard to balance because they really wanted to give them this mechatol theme and it was more important to them this this was a big thing we wanted to ask them about is you know how important is the balance versus how important is the feel and i'll say this much when when you play a game as winu and it's a casual group and you you know you do the gambit as winu it, it is more fun in that sense. When we're playing purely strategically, it can be very upsetting. And that was the mindset I went into that first round guide with Winu. I was very upset that I'd been having such trouble with them. But thematically, they are kind of the most on-point faction out of right. any of them. Right. And so from a de- design perspective, that's where Dane was coming from. And I get it, too, of if you even look at the variance between six-player games down to three-player games, the win percentage of Winu jumps off a cliff the winu percentage yeah the winu percentage is crazy they again we've talked before about how we don't 100 percent trust all the statistics but what i do trust in them is the winu have like a 10 percent chance or a 10 percent win rate in six player games that bumps up to like 48 percent or something like that in three player games so the thing is they're a faction that works in three and four player games. And in fact, it works kind of great 
in three and four player games. But we're coming at this from the perspective of six player games where they just really fall way behind. Yeah, and it's kind of a limitation of our perspective. I mean, the developers, like they made a game that you're meant to play from three Three to six six, players, not just only six or only five. And we, it's a a fault of ours to kind of only be coming at these first round strategies from a six player and to a certain extent, five player perspective. So So we just feel like it's the best way. And if you disagree, you're wrong. (laughs) That's just how we feel. Uh, Some people have given us grief too, of like, we're kind of giving, we gave them a, a little bit of a pass. We didn't push very hard against uh dane's point and i mean we weren't there to push against any point no come but, on but the gist is like people really dislike how bad the winu can be and i just think it's it's just a problem we have to suffer with because when when winu have good games they are fun games um and in fact i mean the game that i won is winu it was crazy and it was kind of frustrating for a lot of it but it was also a very fun game because i had to play against the meta and the table in a really strong way Uh, to get any sort of benefits out of it. So it's not impossible, and it leads to some interesting games. But yeah, um, I I would say the only other answer I have, why do I think maybe they nerfed him, is they probably saw plenty of games because they're playing with people who are new to the game by the, you know, inherent playtesting of it. You know, you're playing with people who aren't messing with it every day. And Winu can be a lot better when you're playing against people who don't necessarily know what they're doing. Right. So I could see plenty of playtests where they played Winu and Winu won plenty often or right. was close to the top right it's hard to say a race is terrible when they are in the top three pretty often also it's 17 races and in my opinion a winu a winu win is something you get to brag about for the rest of your life and yeah. i hate to say that yeah but <laughs> but it is true you get it um so gigantic tree there's two points here that are kind of combined together and this is what i call the winu disaster hour Mm -hmm. uh these are just two really great examples of like some of the horrific problems you can have as winu that cost nobody else anything gigantic tree said the one time i played the winu that's the only time i ever played the winu (laughs) an ixthian artifact was shown in the second agenda phase after i had spent all of my resources reinforcing mechatol that's bubber so the nuke drops you just did everything you could to reinforce you're playing the perfect winu game that's the one where you roll the die you roll the die and and it's a 50 50 shot and then once you roll it it, everyone can die on mechatol basically yeah Yeah. ruins the winu's whole game in one die roll uh, Barry Alpha also says it's so risky to play Winu with normal galaxy creation. This is the what we call the competitive, competitive. style. Uh, whoever has the supernova just plops it in your path to Mechatol. You might as well pack up and save yourself eight hours. Right. That is truly traumatic. We play com- we we play cooperative, and the Winu would never openly choose a slice with Mechatol directly on their route. But if supernova is in your way kiss your first round or second round or probably even third round Mechatol wishes goodbye yeah uh another kind of point that that plays off of this obvious oblivious uh went so far as to say if i was winu i'd beg someone to place the gravity rift in front of my home system it's risky but so is voluntarily (laughs) choosing to play as winu makes it sound like people have been forced to play as winu at gunpoint you must play winu because i want to play against them but i don't that's how i felt that yeah that's true (laughs) i was forced. we've kind of lived that a little (laughs) but yeah i i as stupid as it kind of is i agree with this point like you might as well try the gambit of just the gravity rift to mechatol if you're already doing the gamble why not get there faster yeah because then it's just like a die roll and at least you're picking to take that game right (laughs) Right, exactly (laughs) it's not it hasn't been thrust upon you you have agency you chose to go into the gravity (laughs) rift 
Uh, Barney Lowe uh, also wants to say something. Um, <laughs> uh, the only way to make reasonable use of the cruiser is to blast it off in the direction of an early trade partner. He's talking about the, um, the cruiser starting start cruiser. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so he, uh, they say to blast it off in the direction of an early trade partner, perhaps through a wormhole if needed. As you point out, the race has so little going for it that every trade good you can wrangle is going to be worthwhile. And uh, PD Pete C follows up that point uh, to say, do you think it would be worth it to get gravity drive first round, start with any mass through tech trade diplomacy and pack, uh, just park your cruiser on Mechatol to discourage anyone else from rushing there. You should then be able to get there round two with a gravity drive carrier. So I dropped the ball on the cruiser. I, I didn't write down in my show notes to specifically talk about the cruiser, even though I had done a lot of thinking about what to do with that starting cruiser. Because mm-hmm. you start with so little, every unit matters. And and I just feel like I really, really did you guys a disservice to not include some cruiser discussion uh, in what you should be doing with that first cruiser. Um, a couple of the games I played as Winu, I really, really wished I had moved my cruiser out with my first fleet. And then when I pulled the Warfare token, I wished I had sent my cruiser to Mechatol. Because I do think that is something you can do to at least hedge your bets a little bit better. This is a big blocker against uh, Federation of Soul. If you're right. racing if you're racing Soul, if you get that cruiser there round one, you just improved your chances of getting to Mechatol by quite a lot. Because yeah. the Soul does not have quite enough to fight into a cruiser. Yeah, you're bringing to, what a carrier and two fighters or something. Yeah, that's kind. I mean, it depends on how you how you split it up and how early they saw that the cruiser was going to be. There. Sure, but um, so I think that's a huge play to do if you're racing someone. If not, absolutely get that cruiser out to a trade partner. For a while, I toyed with the idea of like, well, you should just leave your cruiser behind because that might be the only thing defending your home system. Mm-hmm. And that is technically true if you have a ghosts player that looks like they're going to come try and you know, blockade your home system, turn one, put the cruiser there, because the last thing you need is a destroyer sitting in your home system and ruining basically the entire rest of your game. Right. Um, But if you don't have anyone that is close enough, get that cruiser out and get a trade buddy, the best one you can possibly find. Right. Um, Because that that absolutely will be crucial to you. The next one is from Commander Kraken. Commander, that's a a Patreon title. Kraken's one of our Patreoners. Commander Kraken emailed us. Um, and they're saying to first take a blue tech to start the game. They're talking about Animas, I guess, right? This, so this is, this is, he, he prefaced this as, this is Commander Kraken's Winu blue opening. This is like the option of a blue opening if you choose to go for it. Cool. Uh, so first you take the blue tech. Uh, second, you pick technology. Third, pray someone takes trade or diplomacy. You may want to ensure extra or Hakan are at the table before trying this. I think that's an important note. This yeah. is a strategy you only do when you see who else is at the table right. and you judge it solely off of that fact. If all of that pans out, the turn is pretty simple. Take the system on your way to Mechatol. Use tech to get gravity drive. Then make some money off of trade or diplomacy. You can offer three for two or something stupid to Hakan. Maybe throw in a promissory note. You may be able to entice ghosts or someone to come over to be your neighbor for a good deal. If that works, you can then use your five to six resources to build a little expansion fleet in your home system. And if you build off warfare, great. Either way, you're set to fly into Megatol on round two while keeping something behind to develop your pie slice. This is something that I didn't put enough consideration into in my guide because I just thought Sarween into Hegemonic was too important. But it is worth noting that going the blue route, I only ever thought of blue route as in an effort to take Megatol turn one. 
Right. But you can easily do Mechatol turn two, first turn of turn two with the blue route, and it's even less of a hedged bet than kind of the the issues with going down the yellow route are. If you go blue, you kind of ensure that you will be able to get there turn one as long as you get tech, right? So the trade-off is with yellow tech, you need warfare. With blue tech, you need tech. Right. So either way is a toss-up, but this is certainly a fairly stable approach. As he points out, you are getting some stuff in your home system. Now you got to, again, get the money to do that. But because you took tech, you don't have to buy anything off tech. You're getting... The carrier, I, obviously the problem I have with this is you don't have Sarween tools, which means you're not getting the ground forces. That's why you need at least one more trade good, which is why you are desperate to get that cruiser out there, or you're desperate for Hakan, or you're desperate for diplomacy. Yeah. You're just desperate. Yeah, you're kind of, you're dependent on a few things, but that that is a that is a real Yeah, argument. I do not hate this strategy. Luckily, though. Extra and Hakan are popular picks. Like yes, I think that's what exactly. makes that viable. Those right. are not obscure races at all. Right. Um Agone. <laughs> You do this every time you say his <laughs> his or her name. Agone07. Agone07. Agone07 uh, says, but the mechanic I go for, I go for is to go for, Sorry. they go for Mechatol plus Hegemonic plus Transit Diodes. Every turn, I build four infantry and ships, usually Dreadnoughts and Destroyers. Then I Transit Diode my infantry to every planet I have that needs to be defended. In other words, I don't use Mechatol for VPs, but as an industrial hub. There's a lot more to this one, uh, but I'm just kind of taking the spark notes of their points. And that is, this is something I wanted to do. Uh, I didn't ever get a chance to get quite up to transit diodes, but that is certainly a play is just keep building infantry and funneling them everywhere you need them. Right. And then that also leaves you the opportunity to keep putting units at Mechatol Rex, rather than like having to build, you know, I was spending a lot of my time building only ground forces on Mechatol, but with transit diodes, you can build the ground forces at home and get all of your big fleets immediately to Mechatol where you need them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also, I think transit diodes is pretty crucial because it's going to help you reinforce the rest of your pie slice. Uh, for me, it just was something I was very rarely able to actually get going because by the time I had everything else going... I needed to spend literally all of my money on units, and I couldn't get any more tech. And so it's a bit of a toss-up, but I basically I agree 100% that transit diodes, if you can get it, is going to help save you a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Um, the other idea, too, just the fact that, like, do not think... Avoid thinking of Mechatol Rex as a point winner, and instead think of it purely as that industrial hub. It's going to give you... 8 to potentially 10 uh, production value if you upgrade your space docks. So you can pump a lot of units out of Mechatol Rex, exactly where you need all of your units. And that should be your number one focus. And tell that to the board, that you're not going to get points, you're just getting stuff on the board. And, you know, that may or may not help you get a victory, but it's going to help you reinforce what you need to reinforce. Unless you're doing four-player. Unless case, you're doing four-player, you then just whatever, you're going to be just fine. Just tell everybody what to do. I'm in charge yeah. here. <laughs> Um, so the next thing I wanted to talk about is we had a lot of errata. We had a lot of people pointing out what could we do? What house rules could we implement to fix the Winu? And these varied greatly. Some of them were, let's give them a better start. Give them a dreadnought. Give them a couple more ground forces. Uh, get rid of their carrier and give them two dreadnoughts. I saw multiple versions of fix their starting units. I saw multiple versions of give them a different sort of tech pick start. 
Uh, I've seen people say they should be able to pick from any tech, not just any starting tech, but literally any tech in the game. Cool. That seems crazy. Uh, and then people talked about just like, let's make up completely new abilities for them. And all of that's well and good, but I don't find it particularly helpful because I'm, I'm never going to actually implement any of those things. Yeah. Because I don't want to have to give some new player to my group or even some experienced player to my group a faction sheet and say but this is completely wrong compared to how we play right. and I, I don't actually like doing house rules that are just like little minor adjustments to factions. I mean it might be included in the Space Cats Peace Turtles special fan expansion. expansion. Sure. Fan, <laughs> faction. Fan faction. Fan faction. Uh, but no it's yeah it's not something that we we want to do. I will say, if you, as your own group, are looking to fix something, the two primary arguments I've seen are fixing the start fixes most of the biggest weaknesses of Winu, but it doesn't fix the primary problem of Winu. And the primary problem of Winu is if you lose Mechatol Rex, you have nothing. And so a lot of the fixes that try to fix their abilities they always focus on like giving you some other way to take back mechatol or giving you something instead of needing mechatol and all those are well and good but it's just like that's not what the designers did and and for me personally i don't love like crazy wackadoodle abilities for me almost every single faction of the game has an ability that it's just an inversion of a core rule of the game you just take a rule and you flip it on its head and that's how that faction works uh, and that's basically how Winu works. And so when you try to add all these other crazy rules just to try to, like, give them something better, I don't know. It, it's always too complex for me to want to implement into my own game. So when it comes to fixing Winu, I think your best bet is the, the best fix to Winu is to play a three, four, three or four player game with them. Yeah, that's a fix. <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, we're tired. We're exhausted. We just rolled we just a bunch did of two. Dice. We did two. Yeah. Of these back uh, to next back. week is going to be fun because we have an interview with Larknob. Yeah, longtime long listener, longtime contributor, because he's been playing Mecha or he's been playing Twilight Imperium since before it existed. <laughs> since before that, he played Edition Zero, which is when it was a dream Christian T. Peterson had, and he was in the dream. Larknob like. Like sort of reverse engineered Twilight right. Imperium. It's, a, it's, a, it's he, Inception, but it's twi it's Inception. Twilight Inception. Yeah, he's Leonardo DiCaprio, mm -hmm. and Christian T. Peterson is Cillian Murphy. Or, is that how it works? Sure. I don't remember the end of the movie. <laughs> I just remember those snowmobiles and guys wearing. Jackets. Boy, that was fun. It was like the bad guys are just guys wearing big jackets. It's like 007 Goldeneye all over again. <laughs> yeah. Hunter, give us the Wasn't rundown. That weird. All right, you can go to our Twitter for game updates, and you can also go there for announcements. Uh, that Twitter is the Space Cats Pod at Space Cats Pod. You can go to our Facebook for announcements and questions. You can go to our Reddit Twilight Im or you can, our Ooh, ooh <laughs> yuck. Uh, you can go to the Twilight Imperium subreddit for weekly posts and episode discussions. You can go to our BGG Guild for more episode discussions, and you can also get a look at our, at our calendar. I which just we frequently updated that calendar last night. We are updated all the way through June now, ooh. through mid June. Uh, there's made two, a lot of commitments on my behalf. Of, yeah, <laughs> a lot of commitments. We're really hoping to, once next week's episode is done, we want to hammer out the rest of these first round guides. Yeah. So we're going to try our hardest to finish all of the guides immediately after this uh, tournament video. The tournament, or tournament episode. The tournament episode kind of has a timing window on it that we have to capitalize on. Because right. the sign-ups for the Gen Con Twilight Imperium Tournament are coming up on May 6th, and we will talk more about that next week. But yeah. start getting ready, May 6th. 
Um, you can email us at spacecatspeaceturtles at gmail. Um, and what we really like to get in our email is this Imperium Life submissions. Uh, this Imperium Life 3 is probably coming up eventually soon, at some yeah. point. I wouldn't know. I put it uh, on the calendar as immediately after the first round guides. Cool. That would be our second week of June episode. That's good. Um, you can also send us play of the weeks there. We love those. Uh, you can feel free to contribute to our Patreon uh, and help make this podcast better and also help us get to Gen Con yep. and make the coolest video ever covering uh, the Twilight Imperium tournament there. We are really, really excited about the potential there. You can join our Discord, uh, Spacecast Peace Turtles, for fun conversation, memes, and just Patreon stuff. People That's where we do in. all of our... This episode was a Galactic Council episode again. I forgot it was. Yes. What was this episode? <laughs> this was the flagship episode, Hunter. <laughs> uh, and we, we had our... Uh, Galactic Council vote on it, and the way they voted on it was I sent I sent suggestions, and they gave us more suggestions for episode ideas in that Discord channel. So make sure your Patreon is linked up to your Discord. You do that through your Patreon settings, and if you do five dollars or more, you can be in on those discussions. And please rate us on your podcast app, whatever that be, um, especially Apple Podcasts slash iTunes. That is very very helpful to the show and us being discovered and people discovering Twilight Imperium. Uh, and this week, we want to thank three very special Patreoners, Emissary William, Space Pope Effin Dragon, <laughs> that's how I read it. That's how I read it. Uh, Jesper Person, thanks. Thank thanks you. so much, thank the you three very of much. you. Uh, do you want to do the play of the week, or do you want me to? Uh, I think I did it last week. Okay. I don't remember. Doesn't matter. I'll do it this week. Uh, this oh, you should do this one, because this is your this fellow is guy. Matt's Game Game of Thrones zone. <laughs> Livestrong Bellwas. He didn't even actually submit this one to us as a play of the week. But oh, so it, now we're just stealing them. Well, it was just a really, really good uh, example, and I, I want to use it. So Please don't get mad. I'm my, sorry. My latest game included the Winu. I ended up winning as the Letnev. Everything went right for the Winu, including some things that were illegal. One. What, like, Ill like in life? Like, yeah, he killed cops? a man. <laughs> yeah. uh, one, he took warfare. Lodor was on his way to Mechatorex, so he was able to land on Lodor as his first action. Number two, the Hakan were in the game and took trade. They traded one for three with the Winu. But that was enough for him. the one trade good that they needed to be able to get Gravity Drive. He started with Animas. Then... The Yin hit Diplomacy on their second action, allowing Winu to refresh their home system and Lodor for six resources worth of planets. Then the Winu used Warfare with Gravity Drive and took Mechatorex at the end of round one. He left his cruiser on Lodor. I misread their ability and let them use the space dock that they gained to immediately build units. So he got to build a dreadnought and two fighters. Then the two revealed objectives were spend eight influence and spend three command counters. So holding Mechatol Rex was pretty great for those objectives. Yeah. Round three, he took Imperial and shot up to five victory points. Two Mechatol Rex points, two public objectives, and one of his secret objectives was having four PDS all of which were on Mechatol Rex due to a law that let us place as many PDS as we wanted on a planet. At this point, the Noir and the Yin... The Noir. The Noir. The, the Sardak Noir and the Yin Brotherhood carved up his pie slice like Poland. He was left with no planets other than Mechatol Rex. Without his home system, he couldn't score any public objectives. And somewhat sadly, his control of Mechatol Rex meant that he couldn't draw additional secret objectives. No one took Imperial besides the Winu player, so he couldn't use someone else's secondary. The Yin and the Noir fell back <laughs> and let him start crawling home like a critically injured Fortnite teammate. But at five victory points, with everyone else at two, 
he and I were tied and I didn't want any competition. So at the cost of one command counter, I launched two of my non-Euclidean shielded duranium armored dreadnought 2s through a wormhole and hit the take back my home system fleet containing his only carrier and ground forces. That is so mean. Yeah. I easily won the fight crippling him for another three rounds. He did manage to score another two victory points by taking Imperial and limping along, and he did take back his home system in round six, to great applause, but it was the action before I got to ten victory points and ended the game. So, yeah, the Winu had every single possible advantage in this game, including illegal advantages, and were still laughably easy to push over at the very little cost to myself. Whoa. That is... Oh, mommy. Those are the kinds of struggles you deal with as a Winu player. And that's why I am just so over talking about them for about as long as I can muster. Yeah. Don't be looking for us to say another word about them for a long time. We did it. We okay? did it. We did I that played for you. Three, four games in a row. We're as the so Winu. nice. We're so, We're so nice to you. Goodbye and you're welcome. Goodbye and you're welcome. And thanks for even asking. What'd they ask? They didn't. Oh, so what are you thanking them for asking? Thanks, and you didn't deserve this, but you got it anyways. <laughs> you hear me? You. We have been recording All right, for I'm turning three hours. Good night. Thank you for listening to Space Cats Peace Turtles. And thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum. <laughs>